0: It's all invented anyways. So who decided one plus one equals two? So in your business, how can you make it equal three? Offer convenience services. Customer service is a dying practice.
1: You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with David Louch and Jason Hunt. Our mission with this show is to discuss all things business, digital marketing, sales, and mindset. It's our hope to empower entrepreneurs to get the most from their efforts so that they can focus on what they do best. Hello,
2: everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Merge Marketing Podcast. You know the drill by now. I'm David alongside Jason, and we're here to blast yet another great episode of the podcast into your ear. Today, we have our very first return guest. Our guest today is Jennifer Jimbery, whom you may remember from episode 12 of our podcast. Um, She is a recognized authority on change management, profitability, and organizational turnaround. She has served as an advisor to thousands of individuals and organizations around the world for more than 20 years. She's an entrepreneur, award-winning coach, and international best-selling co-author. Jennifer is your partner in prosperity a productivity and profitability coach to business leaders ready to help you create your next business breakthrough to reach your next level. Jennifer has a new book coming out. It's called One Plus One can equal three step into possibility. Yes, you heard that right. And the math does check out despite my <laughs> terrible math grades in school. Um, we are really looking forward to diving into this book today with you today, with you today, Jennifer, um, which is basically a compilation of proven business growth best practices that you have learned and realized along your journey. Welcome back to the show.
0: Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here with both of you and I look forward to sharing.
2: Yes. No, we can't wait. And uh, before we kind of get into the to the meat and potatoes of the book, um, we won't go into your backstory because I just did. And we've had you on the show before. But uh, let's just start with how have you been? How how how's business been? How have you been personally during covid? Um, Yeah. Just how are you? Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Nothing more to go into.
1: Hey, let's be fair now, okay? We're not there yet where we're that super duper crazy popular. We're getting there. But Jennifer, (laughs) maybe a short little background on what exactly you do above and beyond what David said.
0: Yeah. So I like to invite people into possibility and kind of ignite the passion for the work that they do and focus on having a plan of action uh, for their business rather than flying by the seat of their pants. And, um, you know, focus on a few key lead measures that move their business forward and help them get to that next level. That's usually the trusted confidant that I am. And somebody uh, has that person to call when they want to bounce an idea off or, you know, stay accountable and you know, achieve those goals.
1: Now, to David's question, uh, how are you? Well, how has your business been during COVID?
0: So, business has been really good because a lot of people need support. There's been so many that were stuck in inertia, confusion, and overwhelm. And so, I help them kind of find new sources of revenue, keep that focus, make sure that they have a plan to pivot because many have needed that. Um, and personally, I, I found it really nice to have what I sense as a better balance. And I, I call that kind of work-life harmony versus balance. Cause I don't know that there is such a thing. And, uh, like today I, I went to the lake with one of my sons and watched the sunrise and started my day that way. And that's what I mean. I, I think like I'm feeling, I'm feeling really good.
2: That's yeah, th- that's great to hear. And, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, the harmony that I've even felt. Uh, since COVID started, has been has been great. Um, especially working from home, it's not something I ever did before, and uh, we might get into that a little bit today. But uh, yeah. I, I'm loving it now. So um, let's, uh, without getting into like the the actual chapters and and uh, you know the thesis of the book, let's just go into. Why you wrote this book, because the 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 title is amazing. I, I can't wait to to get a, an answer <laughs> from you on what that actually means. but um, <laughs> yeah wh- why did why did you write the new book? What was the uh, inspiration behind it?
0: I've been asked so many times, how do you know all of this? <laughs> and so I thought it's from reading, it's from practice, it's from learning proven strategies. So I just thought, what if I put pen to paper? and started writing out what I knew. And then I came up with 10 chapters of business growth strategies that not everyone knows because they don't read like I read or do what I do. And so it's really important that all of us think about in our own business, what do I know that others don't know and how can I share that to be of support with them? And so that's how the book came to be.
2: Awesome. That's great. And, and uh, it is incredible how much you read. Like I, I, I don't know how you do it i try to read (laughs) but you're on a whole nother level of uh reading and and to be honest it's whenever you you hear really really successful entrepreneurs speak especially those like name brand ones or those influencers Mm -hmm. they all say they read a lot you know sometimes 52 to 60 books a year and i'm like wow
1: how are you doing that but uh yeah i I read
0: about a hundred a year
1: wow okay Mm -hmm. so even more It's crazy. You know, I find the biggest challenge, though, and Jennifer, I don't know, know, this might come with reading so many books and and just being very diverse in your knowledge and what you're able to kind of, you know, bring to the table when you're working with your clients. But, you know, Mm -hmm. in personal experience, I work very heavily in Facebook ads, but it's very tough for me to communicate with somebody that doesn't know that much about social media or Facebook and try to dumb things down. Do you find you have that problem, or do you are you able to just have such a diverse knowledge that you can really stay surface level and really relate to somebody when you're talking to them?
0: So it's interesting that you say that, because I hear that a lot. Like, how do you bring your language down for someone to understand? And it's not an approach that I actually stick with. I, I tend to speak on the language of the level of the individuals that work with me who are highly educated. So I don't tend to need to... Kind of change the languaging because they they get it and they know that i get them so um i think though when you're talking about a technology or something that you know many others don't get because you live it every single day it's you know how do you tell a story around it how do you give them something that they can understand um you know anecdotally or um you know how do you give um an opportunity for them to kind of step into that possibility with you so you know give them a comparison like real life comparison and have them understand it and sometimes it's it's they don't know and they won't know until they see it happen so you've got to have those people who believe and want to step there with you
2: that's an interesting contradiction to uh, to something. Actually, Jason and I chatted with somebody on our podcast about uh, just two weeks ago. Um, who's a web? He's a web developer, so he creates websites. And uh, we've known that when it comes to creating a website, you have to you have to basically write at grade four language, or was it grade three, grade three or four language level, um, even for people that are highly educated. So if you're if you're ideal business or ideal customer is someone that's highly educated your Mm -hmm. website should still read as if it's grade three or four um but it's different for you and that's that's cool to hear Mm -hmm. awesome yeah well um i guess let's get into the book i mean i don't know if this is too aspirational but i would love to to kind of go through the book from start to finish and and if we could just maybe give like Uh, just a high level, like maybe one point, one tip at each chapter about what people can expect when they read into this and and how they can benefit from it. That would be great.
0: Okay. So I think it would be helpful for us to kind of dive into a few of the chapters that I know that might really, you know, benefit your audience and then give some tips from it. Um, So chapter six, for example, is create added value in your business. So make one plus one equal three. Well, What does that mean? Well, if you read the book, The Art of Possibility, what it means is it's all invented anyways. So who decided one plus one equals two? So in your business, how can you make it equal three? So really offer convenience services. Customer service is a dying practice in our high paced culture. So use it to your advantage to stand out from the crowd. So what is a convenient service if you um, are a gift shop add wrapping to your purchases um, other ways to add value do-it-yourself tips expert corner what to expect tips follow-up services and so on so look at your business and figure out how can you make one plus one equal three which is sometimes an unexpected win for a customer that they're not expecting when we do that we move into chapter seven. Chapter seven is about how to use testimonials to profit from social proof. So David, I think you know, Abby's watching. Abby, you know, (laughs) every single week I share a client win. I share a testimonial. I have like a bank of 140 of them and every week you're gonna see a different one. Why do I do that? David, what does that do for you when you see, oh my God, she has another happy client?
2: It adds credibility to what you do.
0: Right. So how many other businesses do you see doing that as frequently and regularly as I do?
2: Not many. Yeah, Actually, not. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay. So some people look for a sense of security in their purchase that they're making, and they don't always want to trust the person who's offering the service. And they do appreciate that if someone else is at a professional level and they're willing to put their name on that piece of paper which you know could be google could be linkedin could be what have you uh, they know that there's some weight to them putting that their name to that so they tend to trust it especially when it's on scale Um, so you see that there's an opportunity for us to use the wins from our clients to have others understand oh if she can do that for them she can probably do that for me
2: Mm -hmm. and so in terms of like how to use, it's nice once you have a massive bank of testimonials to choose from and to use, but the mm-hmm. actual the actual using of those testimonials, wh- what are the best ways to do that? Like social media, maybe schedule a post once a month, once a week um, with that testimonial. What What is your advice on the best way to use it?
0: Mm, so good question, because good, better, best, right? Yeah. Good is every once in a while I'm going to ask for a testimonial. Best is... Every time someone you know gives you feedback about how you have helped them in some way, that is a little box that has a gold bow on it that you got to open up. So you know, open that box and ask them for that testimonial. So best is that we're going to put them on all different channels. We're going to put different testimonials on Google than we are on Facebook, than we are on LinkedIn, than we are on our website. Another best is sharing every single week one of those client testimonials another best is how can you create a video of those for your website so that others can see them um, you know on loop on a on your website
1: Mm-hmm. I love how it's, it's kind of multifaceted because and it's self-serving because if you're active and consistent with going out there and seeking a testimonial week in and week out, it's also subconsciously telling yourself, hey, I'm doing a really good job with what I'm doing as yeah. well as adding to the reduction in buyer's remorse when they actually go ahead and purchase your product because everyone feels that buyer's remorse immediately when they buy something. But immediately when you buy something and you know everybody else has had a positive experience with it, it's going to limit that
0: yeah absolutely and so that word of mouth chain of verbal testimonials kind of contributes to that positive experience
2: i want to go back just for a second to chapter six where we talked Mm -hmm. about that one plus one equals three um and and i just want to understand and break down the actual one plus one equals three is the one you and your business plus your customer it what's What's do you know why word? I'm
0: smiling at you, right? I,
2: it's just, uh, no.
0: Because it's all invented.
2: Okay, so it really no means. Every
0: every single person's one plus one can equal three is different in each business. So what we need to do is diagnose what that looks like and then figure out how to put the steps in place to make it equal three.
1: Mm. What I love about it, it's like it's like it's up to you to set the bar in your industry, you're setting the bar essentially and always just trying to raise that bar to be better and better and better, whether it be add-ons or the, the, the additional freebies that you're offering, whatever that extra value is that you're adding in your business to set that bar. And I think three is that bar. I don't know, Jennifer, that's just kind of the way I'm interpreting it, but that three is the bar that you wanna be at, right?
0: Yeah, so instead of one plus one equaling two, how do we step into three? Mm, Right? So I'll give you an example. Uh, My follow-up services, people might pay for a Jabba with Jen, and then they might fix something in their business, or they might work on their attraction marketing strategy. And then our partnership for the time being is like, we're not on an ongoing partnership. However, when I see them on social every single time I'm gonna I'm gonna slap that like and I'm gonna make sure that I comment and I'm gonna encourage them and they're gonna know I'm right there cheering them on. And I don't I don't know how many hundreds of people that I <laughs> it'd be like years ago that we worked together and like, ah, oh, thank you so much. Right. <laughs>
2: Absolutely. Well, thank you for that example. And going back to that, it, it was just classic me over complicating things. But you know what? It's just simple. You, you make it whatever you want it to mean. And, um, and that's great. So now that we assume we've we've created some value, we've got some testimonials coming in as a result of providing that value, and we're putting them on the internet, social media, website, wherever we want to put those, what's next? Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, chapter eight talks about host relationships. Have you ever heard of host beneficiary relationships for businesses? I have not. Okay, love it. So I look forward to you reading the other chapters because this, <laughs> this is a great one that not everybody kind of thinks through. So there are partnerships that help small businesses um, to in a similar market to introduce their clients by closing sales through trusted relationships. So if you think about it, You want to establish, plan, and implement a successful host relationship. So I'll give you an example. Uh, A florist. So a florist is in a chain of events for their business. So they want to make sure that they establish solid partnerships with host businesses such as bridal gowns, such as photographers, videographers, etc. The line keeps going on. The cake maker. So if you are to figure out how to think through what are my host beneficiary relationships and then create a plan which is reciprocal for both of those businesses you're both going to win so you know you want to first define the target market then once you've defined what are my options that are similar industry as me then you want to select a host business so once you figure out who it is that you can create that partnership with then you want to craft a message and then approach that host business. So once you create a mutually beneficial relationship, you can continue to have the dialogue, have those good, better, best discussions and keep that open feedback going to make sure that it is reciprocal. Not a lot of people do this. They're out there on their own and it would be really beneficial for them to understand how to create these, some people call them JV partnerships, right? Mm -hmm. but it's really just a host beneficiary relationship based on what type of business you're in and how could you create those partnerships.
1: And now a word from our sponsors. Hey there, Jay here. Thank you so much for listening to the Merge Marketing Podcast. It would mean the world to David and myself if you could leave us a review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We are so invested in bringing you so much value that we would love to hear what you have to say. We'd love to hear if you have any suggestions for upcoming guests. Whatever it is, we're here to serve you. Okay, keep it rocking, be good, and keep listening.
2: If I'm understanding it, it's a relationship with another business who may do business with your ideal clients. And so Mm -hmm. now now the two of you can kind of share and refer each other back and forth. Exactly. Would that also apply to something like the Chamber of Commerce or BNI? Is that a host beneficiary relationship?
0: It can be, not all would fit kind of that perfectly. Um, depending on who's in that group of people. But I want you to kind of think of it a little bit broader than that, which is, you know, what what touch points does my industry have and who are those leaders that I need to connect with and see whether or not they already have those partnerships and if they don't, talk through how that could benefit. So you might have seen it uh, a lot of times when you go into um, a, st- not gas station, but Um, mechanics place or people that sell tires. Sometimes there's these like a stack of cards at the front and they've created these host relationships so that if you're there to get your winter tires, then you might also find this card that would be beneficial for your oil change Mm. or so to speak. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. It's funny We're it's, we're kind of naturally just trying to find those relationships because obviously there's great opportunities and, and just not just it's building that credibility Uh, for our business, right? So if we're gonna partner up with an actual trade show or an event or a conference as the go-to digital marketing agency, then referrals will naturally come with that and vice versa. We're gonna promote that event as well because we share a similar target audience. I think that's a key. If you share a similar target audience, it's a great opportunity to benefit from this, right, Jennifer?
0: Yeah, and so what would it look like if there was some type of benefit for them sending business to you and you sending business to them? what, what could that arrangement look like? So for example, I have a program called LinkedIn for business growth. If you know, you guys don't have that exact program that is on demand, then maybe we set up an affiliate partnership. You get a kickback for sharing that with your audience and we're helping those people understand something they don't currently understand.
1: So would that be the exact same thing or pretty much a similar thing to affiliate marketing? Similar. That's that's kind of an element to it. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay very interesting
2: yeah cool that is yeah i mean we do um we do a lot of that sort of stuff too and actually maybe this is not at all the same but i think we kind of took it to the next level where jay and i realized back when we were just doing social media um that our clients also needed SEO work. They also needed maybe a new website. They also needed Google ads. And we didn't offer that, but we found somebody that did and then we ended up partnering our businesses and, and we're now Merge Media. So we kind of took it to the next level, but that would kind of be an example of that too, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah. So what does that um, partnership look like? How How are you supporting one another? It doesn't always end up being a Um, revenue share, but it's just, it's a trusting relationship where we're making introductions. Right. And a lot of times there is an opportunity for revenue share that we're not always seeing. And actually I was going to answer Abby's earlier question. If I could, he said, Jen, if there was one thing that you would want to make sure every entrepreneur or business owner knows, Oh my gosh, Abby, it's the chapter on time management. Everybody (laughs) I wish knew how to time block like a ninja. Yeah. It's just, it, it, is a, it is a lost skill that would serve so many. So there's a whole chapter dedicated towards how to profit through your time management.
1: Man, it's funny. Time management is my biggest challenge, I think, in life. I have a five-minute journal that I write in every day, and my daily affirmation is the same thing every day. It's, I am a good time manager. I am not a great time manager, but I'm hoping to get there someday with my daily affirmations.
0: <laughs> Can I offer you a shift? Please. Okay, so there is more than enough time to get done what I need to get done.
1: There's more than enough time to get done what I need to get done. I sound, it sounds to me that I, I'm going to burn out if I live by that. <laughs> you know?
0: I and I invite the shift because if what you're doing right now is not serving you, there's a sense that you can't do it, meaning there is not the time. So if you open to the fact that there is enough time to get everything that is important to get done today, there might be a shift there for you.
1: Interesting. So what I my, my my way I've been dealing with that now is is trying my best to focus on three important things I need to get done in a day. So I have them mm-hmm. on my list. That's my three priorities. And if I can get those three things done, I consider the day a success. But obviously all the noise and all this and that gets in between the mix and and it comes to a point where, you know, saying no to something is saying yes to something else, vice versa, right? Saying yes to something, saying no to something else. But I think that all comes back to just practicing this time management and living maybe living by that mantra that you just said there Jennifer Mm -hmm.
0: yeah
2: yeah time time management is an interesting one I mean I could definitely use some advice there too I think both Jay and I could it's one of those things like that that phrase I don't have time for that I try never to use Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a good strategy, but like, I, I, sometimes you obviously you have to, but I just, I try not to say that because if it's important, you will make time for it. Maybe it doesn't need to be right now, but I, I, I try not to say that.
0: Yeah. And sometimes we need to check in with ourselves and hold the mirror up and say, that's just not important to me and see how that feels.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you know, If we uh, uh, can we tie this up into a nice little bow? Would it would it make sense touching on the last chapter and then closing it out from there? Because I am curious if the the last Mm -hmm. chapter was just just to emphasize team because you've capitalized the word team or does Mm -hmm. it stand for something? Is it an acronym? So.
0: I love how you think things through like that. It's together everyone achieves more. So, you know, do you have the right team in place? Um, You might think you do, but are you leveraging the right strengths of those members on the team? So um, via Signature Strengths is a free positive psychology based survey that you can take to identify what your top signature strengths are. And the lower they are on the list, the more that you struggle with those strengths. It doesn't mean that you're not capable of them. It just means it takes more energy of you. So if you're having your team work on certain things, make sure you're matching it with their strengths. Because if you're not, that's when we might reduce productivity, we might increase the energy spent And therefore, we're not getting the most out of that individual that we can. So, you know, in simple words, it's you need your employees to make money. So if you're doing that, how are you leveraging their natural innate strengths? And if you're not even aware of what those strengths are, it would be really important for you to learn that.
1: I love that. Um, Years ago, I read a book called Strength Finder. And, mm-hmm. you know, the premise of the book is, is you know, focus on what you're good at and don't waste your time trying to improve your weaknesses. And, yep. and I love it. And I totally buy into that. And so much so that, you know, merging our company with another company was based on that sort of premise. It's like, let's focus on social. Somebody else is better at website design. Somebody else is better at SEO. So let's collab with those companies. It, essentially, that's what businesses need to be focusing on is focus on what you're good at and let those people that are good at other things focus on those things.
0: Yeah, and you know, for your team, do they know what the scorecard looks like? Do they know how to win? So not often does everyone know how to quickly say, this is our wildly important goal and here's how I know we're winning. And we need to have that scorecard to help the team. It should be visual, It should be simple. It should be in the peripheral somewhere in the office so that everyone knows, are we winning? If you don't have that in your business, you are not going to reach the level that you might want to.
1: So are people going to find this scorecard in chapter 10 of the book?
0: No, they won't. But if they partner (laughs) with me, they will. There you go. (laughs) Great,
2: great segue. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for going through um most of your book today with us is incredible i'm really looking forward to reading it i mean already we've gotten some really awesome takeaways time management um and then ultimately together everyone achieves more that last chapter which is great i knew there was an acronym there um <laughs> so thank you so much jay did you have anything else that you wanted to wrap up with
1: yeah jennifer where can our audience get the book and how can they get in touch with you
0: Love it. So right now I'm going through a complete rebrand. And so when the website is designed within the next four weeks, the, the main thing on the website will be an iPad with the book that they can download. So jimboreecoachingandconsulting.com. You can find me everywhere. I'm Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Google. Website. I'm I'm available, and you'll you'll find me sharing content every day to support your business growth and professional development. So, uh, the book's about four weeks away, and um, it'll be loaded on the website really soon. So, if you follow along now, then you'll uh, see when that book is loaded and when the when the new website is live.
1: Awesome, awesome.
2: And so, in the meantime, uh, for our listeners, please connect with with Jennifer on social to uh, to stay updated on when that book is going to be released. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Before we end, Jennifer, you may remember we end every single episode with a question. And now we've already asked you this because you've been been on the show. And (laughs) the the question is, if you could choose one person, dead or alive, to represent Mm -hmm. your brand, who would it be and why? And before we get to that, do you remember who you said last time?
0: Benjamin Zander.
2: You did. So is it the same? Yes. Good. That's a good memory. Are we changing or are we staying the same?
0: No, we're staying the same. We're going to stay focused awesome. in the same lane that we were in. Yes.
2: C- consistency. I love it. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, thank you so much again for coming on the uh, the show today for a second time. And who knows, maybe we'll have you back again for your third book that you decide to write late- later down the line.
0: Who knows? During all this time with COVID, you might you might find me writing another book. But in the meantime, I'm booking VIP business planning days. So if your business doesn't have a business plan, please reach out so that we can have one for you. And I'm also accepting applications for next year's accelerator. So I'm looking for five business leaders who want to lock arms and take their business to the next level.
1: Awesome.
2: Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, Jennifer. Thank you. Cool. Another great episode in the books. Jennifer, a two-time Merge Marketing Podcast visitor. Awesome in the books, man. Um, One thing I like about Jennifer is she does uh, pack a lot of value and she gets the wheels turning every time she's on.
2: Every single time. And it's it's just quick and straight to the point. I love it. It's great. That was another good episode. I'm looking forward to her book coming out.
1: Well, we talked a bit about testimonials in that episode for anybody out there that has not done it yet. Please give us a five-star review, leave us a review, give us a testimonial. Um, We want everybody to hear this podcast. If you have any friends or family or coworkers or colleagues that you think would find value in the Merge Marketing Podcast send it their way. Also, we're always looking for podcast guests. So if you know somebody that you think would be a good guest on our podcast and shed value to our audience, just reach out to us podcast at merge.ca.
2: Awesome. Thank you all very much for listening to the episode today. And until next time, remember, you always have time for what's important.